You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating, and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat. And stay up to date. Hi there. You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today, I've got a very special guest in Nashville. He lives in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and his name is Kyle Elliott. Now, this podcast, we actually go straight into it, so enjoy. I've been surrounded by music my entire life. Um, as a now Nashville recording artist, it, it's kind of an interesting background. People think, oh, you're from Nashville. You must have all these connections in the music industry. Yeah. And I don't know if people know this about Nashville, but there's like, there's over a million people here. So <laughs> it's not like everybody knows everybody. It's a small town feel, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know everybody. Um, yeah. And growing up in Nashville, neither of my parents were in the business or in the industry. Um, and we knew people that were, but it, back when I was a kid, it wasn't as it wasn't as driven as it is today. It's a whole different world. Yeah. Um, but there's video of me at the age of three um, singing in our church because my, my mother was the church music director at the yeah. time. Um, so that, I guess that's where it kind of all started. Um, I didn't really have a choice. She was like, oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I, I kind of grew up in that, in that mentality. But, um, as I got older, uh, my mom ended up becoming a, a high school music teacher. Um, and I was probably mm, 12, 13 at the time. when I really got a, a taste of actually spending time around people that were actually interested in pursuing music. Yeah. And a lot of the guys that were in that in those classes played guitar, and I was like, "Man, that is like the coolest thing ever!" <laughs> so I was like, "I've got to pick it up. I've got to I've got to learn how to play guitar." And so, um, at the age of thirteen, my grandpa got me my first guitar, um, and I started playing. It took me about six months to play anything, uh, my first song. Yeah. Uh, but that didn't include singing, so it took me another six months to learn how to play and sing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because it varies sometimes you know some people either pick up the guitar and then learn singing or learn singing and then add the guitar later so yeah it's interesting you played guitar first well yeah I mean, I mean i had been taught you know and here in here in the states um music classes as, at a young age are not all the same um music classes that i took in grade school were very simplistic you know it taught us oh well here's the keyboard and here's the little recorder you know yeah <laughs> we all did as kids, but it wasn't that I'd ever been trained in it. Uh, but as I got older, I took more classes um, and encouraged by my mother as well to take vocal lessons. And I ended up going to college my first year as a vocal performance major. Um, but that's very classical and very traditionally trained. And that's not really the uh, the path that I wanted to take. Yeah. Um, but learning an instrument was something completely different. Um, there are a lot of very similar connections between music theory for vocals and music theory for instrumentation. And I actually taught myself how to play piano because I knew how to play guitar. Yeah. It, it, even though it's a different instrument, it, the concept is still the same. So um, it, it's, it's been um, interesting learning, you know, the differences between that, but, um, but the whole independent artist, the whole, you know, not um, classical style music thing came into play um, after my first year of college. Um, I had, been wanting to do audio production um, that's something that I'd show a lot of interest in um, and a friend of mine's brother um, was in a band here in Nashville and I was like hey you know I'm looking to do some practice if you guys are looking for free recordings I'd be you know you have to trade off and they weren't yeah. figuring so we, we sat down and we recorded some stuff and I really liked how they sounded and I was like man why don't we just 
you know, join forces. Why don't Why don't you let me join the band and I'll record for us, and you know, it, it won't be a big thing. And and it was not country at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a pop pop punk, I guess is what you would describe it. Yes. Uh, and and that is not really anything that I. I mean, I, I really did like that style of music growing up in that in that age group, you know, age group. Yeah, it was very popular, so I like that kind of music. But I'd always loved country too, so I wasn't really against performing one or the other. But um, I played with them for about four years um, until the end of college, and uh, wrote numerous songs. We released multiple projects, and it was a lot of fun. But they were they weren't taking it very seriously. They were just like, having fun with it. There was no business mindset behind it. Um, and so after college, I, I left the band and went on to get a real adult job. <laughs> as we all have to do. Right. Um, I, I uh, first started out as a radio personality, so I did a lot of uh, some radio work, uh, which was a lot of fun. I, I absolutely love podcasting and radio. That's, that's you know, a huge interest in my life. I listen to podcasts literally yeah. every day. So, <laughs> um, but I did that for a while, and as you know, probably there's not very much money in that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the money comes from like the sponsorships and the people actually invest into it. And until you get that, it does you're actually spending more than you actually make. So absolutely. And and I was actually working for a radio station, but it wasn't in Nashville. It was in the outside market, which was about an hour and a half drive each way for like ten dollars an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't even paying for my gas, let alone the actual time I was spending there. Um, and so I eventually left that for for a. Um, for a job with a transportation company doing marketing and it was okay. I mean, I made decent money, but I, I really hated my boss. I hated the hours uh, and the work was just really, it was hectic and, and very, very unpleasant. So yeah. uh, at, at that point in 2016, um, I went through a pretty, um, pretty critical breakup um, with a significant other. And at that point I said, you know what, I'm unhappy with my job. I'm unhappy with my relationship. I said, if I, I need to do something for me, and what I've always wanted to do is be a musician. And I said, if I'm going to do it, I can't wait any longer. I'm going to get too old. <laughs> I to now. And so I decided to write my, start writing my own music and figure it out one step at a time. I didn't have really anybody show me the way. It was just, hey, write this song. Okay. Um, hey, I want to play this song. So I looked for a place to play it. I found out that writer's rounds were a thing. And I started playing writer's rounds in Nashville. And that led to networking with other writers and then co-writers which in turn introduced me to different shows or had me come on and play songs with them and then the next thing you know i'm booking my own shows <laughs> I've, got, I've got a weekly gig at this place and i'm playing shows out of state and it's taken uh, about four years to get where i am now but it's it's been a heck of a journey and and i'm lucky enough to say that i can actually make a profession out of it so i'm uh, very happy about it well that's the main thing really isn't it because we all have these trials and tribulations in life where it really tests us and it's how you come out the other side. Now you've used everything you've done to then be where you are now and listen to your music, especially your new song, Come On Over. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, and a lot of that is is motivated by the, the trials and tribulations that I've been through in life. I mean, people ask me, you're a songwriter, how do you do it? And I'd say, well... I think we're all songwriters, honestly. Um, you don't have to necessarily be good at producing music or composing music to write a song. There, are, I've written songs with people that don't know how to play instruments. Um, yeah. I've written songs with people that can't sing. Um, there's there's nothing against people that, that can't that don't have the actual musical 
uh, talents, but to write a song is basically just telling a story um, in a way where we are all, all storytellers because we all have a different story to tell. So um, I'm actually in the process of kind of pushing out a, a YouTube page specifically on songwriting because I think people should write songs even if they're not in the industry. Uh, why not? The more music we have, the better, in my opinion. Exactly. Music makes the world go round. It's absolutely it's the um what did they say it's like the life and soul of everybody you know it's it's a great way of actually expressing your emotions and actually seeing what makes somebody tick yeah and, and it does add to the mood um that you're in i mean that's why these Spotify <laughs> and apple music you can literally listen to the mood that you're in and brings out the true emotion of the moment i mean you know there's songs that probably make you think of a certain time and place there are songs that make you cry there's songs that make you laugh and i mean what other industry can do that you know there's not many there's a couple but there's, there's really not many and, and it's all really creative side of things so exactly i mean especially i don't know if everybody else out there but for me personally i love the songs that actually make me want to cry you know the ones that make you really well up and really hit you you know in the stomach and the feels kind of thing yeah and, and i've written i've gotten some songs like that coming up pretty soon and those songs are honestly the ones that just kind of fall out of you. Um, I've spent time, I mean, there are songs that I haven't finished from two years ago that I'm still currently working on, uh, but there's songs I can sit down and it falls out in under an hour's time because it's it's true, it's authentic, and it's so real that you can't not write it. Yeah. Um, and those are the ones that typically have the most emotion attached to them um, and, in my opinion, make the, some of the best songs. Now, before I go on to like your new, your new stuff, come on over... What was the name of your pop punk band? I definitely want to see this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the name was Never Let Go. Um, I, I'm not the lead vocalist on a lot of that stuff. Um, I was a rhythm guitar player and a backup vocalist for the group. Um, not necessarily proud of a lot of it, but you know, we all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely not professionally produced. I am no, by no means a. Um, an audio engineer, but, um, but you know, it was a lot of fun. And um, I use a lot of the technique from the things I learned in that and the music style that I write today. Um, one of my songs, Temptation, a lot of country artists do not play in different tunings. Um, and in pop punk, we, we do play in different tunings. So I, I tuned down to my traditional pop punk tuning and, and wrote that song. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun. And people were like, man, that's a, that's a different sounding song. And I'm like, well, if people would branch out, <laughs> there, there are a lot of opportunities to find different sounds like that. Well, it's great that because, I mean, I've been listening to artists, you know, around the world where they've added loads of different incorporations like rap. You know, I know you get like your little Nas X and... You know, there's there's artists out there that can actually incorporate things like rap into songs, but mm. it's actually making it work and getting it to work. Now, Temptation, it definitely works. You know, that whole, that tune down, it's... Right, absolutely. It just fits. And it, it, it does. You know, there's certain... You know, I know several country rap artists, and you got artists like Colt Ford and Upchurch, and they're two branches of the same type of genre, and they both have different styles that make it work for them, and they have huge fan bases. Um, and a lot of people don't like rap country, and I think, for me, it's it's the mood that I'm in, because I do like Colt Ford. I've seen him live. I've met Upchurch a few times, and, you know, they're, they're artists just like me, you know, so it's it might not sound the same, but when you when you really put forth the effort and you try different things you can find out that it works in a lot of different ways sometimes it doesn't work but yeah <laughs> it's great so that's that's always the tricky thing is finding that 
almost niche that does work, that does click, and that does resonate with people. You know, end of the day, it's all about the people streaming and downloading. That's where the revenue eventually comes in. Yeah, at the end of the day, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a long time to get there, but um, uh, but no, to, to kind of talk on the point of of the actual music coming together and, and kind of leading right into the new song. Um, you know, it, it, it's really interesting how my perspective of my own music has transitioned. When I first started out, I released my first song, which was a ballad, which is like the biggest mistake that you <laughs> sing a slower, slower type song as your, as your debut uh, single. Um, but I didn't know any better. And that was a, one of the first songs that I ever wrote. And um, I will give this advice to anybody that's looking to become a songwriter. Don't put out the first song that you write. <laughs> uh, write, you know, dozens and dozens of songs before you to put out your first one. I know it's an eager kind of feeling, but um, persistence is, is key. Um, and I've definitely been through a lot of lessons learned. And looking back, there are a lot of things that I would change, but determination um, really can lead to, to the success. And I've had to put a lot of things on hold. I've had to change a lot of plans that I've made, and that's just part of it. Yeah. Um, going, going with the flow is, is probably the best advice because you never know. You never know what opportunity is going to come your way. And at the same time, you never know what obstacles are going to come your way. You just got to kind of open up to, to be. And honestly, those situations can make good ideas for songs. So. Exactly. I mean, well, it's like you say, you know, you broke up from your relationship in 2016 and then you released Anymore. You know, it, even, though it's, even though it's one of your first songs, you know, it might not be the best song in your eyes, but it's still your emotions at that time. If you, uh, if you get what I mean, you know, it's... Yes, it might not be the best, and we all strive to produce the best, and that is what makes great artists. But at the end of the day, we get to see your true emotive value. You know what's actually going through your brain at, at that time. Yeah, and, and that's almost like a, a, a um, I guess, an audible scrapbook. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, it, and it really does show the progression of artists. I mean, I, I love you know other artists like. Everybody knows who Luke is. Um, I, I discovered him a little bit before he became pretty big. And if you go back, he's got an album that most people don't even know exists. Um, and he's got a lot of great quality stuff, but you do see the huge progression that he's made from that time to where he is now. And a lot of that does come with production quality, but a lot of that also comes from, from self, self-growth um, as an artist. And, you know, I definitely don't even have the same vocal techniques that I used four years ago. Um, you just learn and, and you kind of adapt to it. Yeah. Well, I was just um, I was writing some notes earlier about your music, and I was listening to your last song that was released, um, "Love Hangover." And one of the notes I put is, "I'm jealous of his voice because it's got that lovely, deep, rasp. You know that that country twang to it. It's it's fantastic. You can you can see the progression from your music all the way through, and it's great. It's great to see that build up. Well, I appreciate that, and you know, as I get older, you know that sets in a little bit more, you know, we're getting out of that, you know, voice cracking stage that I was still a little bit in when I first started. And your voice does mature as you get older, but um, growing up, it was a little pretty difficult because I loved the radio growing up. I mean, being a, as a personality and a, and a podcaster, you know, I, I loved the idea of, of audio um, and listening to the radio. I, I love to sing along, but half the songs on the radio, I couldn't sing because they were too high. <laughs> so that was really tough. But there are a couple of, especially country artists that are out there, like Josh Turner, um, Scotty McCreary, even some like Chris Stapleton, Chris Young, Lee Bryce. Those guys typically hang out on the lower end of the register. Yeah. Um, 
that was those were songs that I love to sing. And so people and and even today people will come in when I they come to my shows, they're like, Oh, sing a Chris Young song or I do a Doc Turner tune. And because they hear that low, that low set in my voice, and I mean it, it can get pretty low. I mean, that's kind of where the radio voice comes in. You know? Yeah. Uh, but but uh, it, it's it's unique and I used to hate it. And now I've learned to really appreciate it because it is so unique. I don't want to be like everybody else. I do want to stand out. So Yeah, well, it certainly does. It's Because it's got that, you can put it amongst, you know, the rest and you still be able to pick out, you know, Kyle Elliott, you know, it's it's your voice. You know, you can definitely yeah. pick it out between like the Chris Stapletons and the, you know, the Chris Youngs and the Dustin Lynches and, every, you know, all of them in the industry and i thought it was interesting what you mentioned earlier about the actual nashville itself you know being such a large large city because it is it's huge you know and you know you're in murfreesboro right now and yes it's still within that i know it's like an hour and a half from nashville center itself but it's still almost part of that household name you know that nashville title it definitely is and and if you look at you know the whole industry as you know Nashville is probably the worst place to be if you're trying to stand out. Um, and, and people were like, oh, I'm going to be a songwriter. I'm going to move to Nashville. The best advice I can give is don't. Yeah. <laughs> At least yet. Um, I try to tell people, build a fan base around where you are from and where you're stationed at. Because if you don't have any fan base, it's going to be very, very difficult. And I didn't have that luxury. Um, I, I grew up in a suburb of Nashville, um, and people – kind of hate the tourist scene. Um, So it was not easy to build a fan base. And I'm I'm very fortunate that I had friends outside of the Nashville area um, and and a very supportive family that that have really backed me along the way. Um, And since doing that, uh, I've found huge fan bases in not only other states, but other countries. And And I find that as somebody who has a marketing background as well, it's really important to find niche audiences in places that are not saturated. And Nashville is the most saturated place in the world Yeah, uh, country music. Um, people are like, oh, well, you know, you play on Broadway all the time. Okay, well, so do 10,000 other people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's not like they're all day, every day. There are, I've done the math, there are 45 venues on Broadway that have music, each of them <laughs> at least one, if not five stages. So it takes about 2,500 artists a day to fill those stages. I mean, you got to think that's a ton of people and it's not easy. It's not easy to to make a mark um, for yourself. But um, to your point about being a little bit away, um, there are a lot of venues elsewhere um, that are more appreciative. Um, When I played downtown, they got somebody coming in right after me. They had somebody in right before me. You know, I'm just another name on their list. But when I go to a place like here in Murfreesboro or even smaller communities and play a show, I have the largest turnouts. People are so excited. They want to talk to me. They want autographs, you know, and I, I don't ever really get that in Nashville. People aren't appreciative, but they know what they're getting when they go to Nashville. These people don't ever get those types of shows, so it's, it definitely is more important to them. Yeah, well, that, that's it. I mean, you could go into Nashville and literally the waiters are there trying to be singer and songwriters. You know, you've got the bus boys who's trying to be singer-songwriters. You've got the, ta- you know, people driving taxis. They'll want to be a singer-songwriter. It's It's very it is very crowded and that's what's great about like the uk scene at the moment it's because it's such a a young genre really it's great to see it grow and i just hope it doesn't become too overcrowded right and and i think because um and and i i know you know 
uh, folks from the UK can fake country accents, but it's it's the authenticity of it yes. um, that I think people really love. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I've been pushing so hard. One, because I, I would love to share my music not only with the country music fans, but people that don't even know that they're country music fans. <laughs> um, and it was such an un, untapped market. You know, there were places, even when I was with my old band, like we had a pretty good following in Australia. Who would have ever thought that pop would be big in Australia? But I mean, I think we had like 6,000 people in a group from Australia. That wow. Followed us. That was awesome. Um, but a lot of people don't don't realize it and they don't think it's attainable because they're not there, but with technology and things and, and shows like yours, you know, that's, that's how we reach those new audiences. And I don't really care. You know, I want people who want to listen to my music. I want to be able to give them the opportunity to find it. And if they do like it, I want to give them more. So if that's in the UK, if that's in Japan, if that's in Australia, wherever, I don't really care. I, I just want to share my music with the world, not just the United States. Well, that's it. Now, linking that into your new song, you know, where did the whole concept of coming over come from? You know, where was the inspiration for this one? Sure. So um, I've been on a track to release six songs. Um, the idea was to release them all last year. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I've been working on the project since January of 2019, and um, there are six songs that are all correlating. There's kind of a connection between them all. It's not necessarily a full storyline, but you can kind of see how the songs play out. Um, yeah. So we went with Sunrise first. That was the first song on that project, and then Love Hangover. So you kind of get like this lovey feel, um, and things that at the end of Love Hangover seem to kind of fall apart, um, and that it's over. Yeah. Um, and come on over is kind of a brief reflection period of that. Um, so I didn't write it this way, but one of the best things about music is after you've written a song, you, you find out that there are a lot more different meanings that can come from it. Um, so come on over is kind of the, the grief reflection period where, Hey, we had what we had and we can, we can get it back, even though that's not ever going to happen. But in your mind, you're like, man, you know, had I done this or had I done that, which I now know and I can fix, it will work out. Um, and again, that doesn't ever happen. <laughs> uh, we all think about that. And, and that's something I think is very relatable to people. And I've had so many people that I've shared it with so far um, for feedback purposes say, man, this is really a relatable song. Um, and that's, that's kind of what you want. You want to be able to give people the, the perspective to put themselves in the position of the song. If you feel like this song is written for you, then I think I've done my job correctly. Well, that's it. That, that's the whole point of music, in a sense, you know, is having that fan base or the person whoever's listened to it, whether it's by accident or whether they've intentionally listened to it, to think, right. actually, this, yeah, this reminds me of me, this. Yeah, I can, I can see myself doing this. Absolutely. Uh, and I've had multiple people over the years reach out to me, and even from my first song, and be like, hey, this song really helped me get through a difficult time, or hey, this song is like exactly what I'm going through in my life right now, and I can't tell you you know, how it makes me feel. And honestly, that's what I live for, man. I, I'm not here for the money. You know, I don't, I'm not, I, if I don't end up playing in huge stadiums, fine. You know, I just want to make music, and if I can make a living off of it, even if that's just enough to get by, uh, that's better than doing the alternative. Well, that right there is the most important thing, really, is because if you start actually making it, yes, everyone's got to have a business and everyone's got to make money at some point, but if you actually go away from the actual love of making that uh, making that music, you know, you lose that whole 
feel for the music. You know, the writing becomes poor and sloppy and you're just trying to write out a commercial hit and it's Absolutely. not the same. I actually walked away from a job at one point because it hindered my music um, career. I was a manager at a um, at an apartment complex, and they have this period of the year where they have to go in and renovate the apartments. And basically, you work seven days a week, yeah, uh, for about ten hours a day for about a month, um, which is pretty crazy. I mean, that's like a hectic, hectic schedule. And I had picked up a show. Um, that was in the middle of that. And it was a pretty big opportunity. And I, I said, you know, I can work every other day except for this day. And I said, I really can't miss this opportunity. And they told me, if you don't grow up, you're going to lose your job. And I didn't even wait. I was just like, if you're asking me to step away from what I love and what I want to do, then this is not worth it. Um, and I struggled for, for months. I was unemployed for about four months and I, you know, had to do odd things just to get by. And and we do that because we love music. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to <laughs> become you know, like super rich off of this. There are much better ways to become rich. Let me say it. Um, but but I do it because I love it. Because there's nothing else in this in the world that makes me feel the way that it, that it does to play music for people. Well, that's good. What are you doing now then for work? You know, to actually make the money to pay the bills. Sure. So um, obviously, with the virus, things are a little bit difficult right now. Yeah. Um, I was working at the beginning of last year, I was working a temp job doing um, electrical cable for a construction company. Um, and I was also bartending on the side. So I was you know, doing whatever I had to do to get by making like $10 an hour. Um, and um, a lady walked into the bar that I was working at um, and she was a tour guide for a company in Nashville. And I used to be a tour guide in college. Um, I was a campus tour guide. And I, it was one of my favorite things because I love to talk to people um, and I love to teach people too. And, and history is, is one of my favorite subjects. So, yeah. hey, you know, let me tell me about your business. I used to be a tour guide. One thing led to another. And she was like, well, we'd love to have you on our tour. If you want to you know, come, we might be able to go on as a tour guide. And I said, okay. And so I went on a couple, and, I, and it was awesome, um, and I, I love the city of Nashville. So since it's my hometown, you know, there's a lot of, of connectivity, and people really want that when they come to town. Um, and so one thing led to another, and as the year picked up, we got super busy, and I was able to quit both of the other jobs and take this role on full-time. I mean, I, there, was, there were points where I was doing um, nine, ten tours a week. Wow. Um, these are long tours, but it was so much fun. And I was, and unbelievably, I was making three times the amount of money doing something that I thought I wasn't going to make half the money on. Um, and I just think that that's part of the plan, man. I, you know, you just got to go with it. And if it works, yeah. you know, that, that that's it. That's how that's, that's supposed to go. And um, I, I absolutely love that job. Unfortunately, with the virus that has been closed down, um, we are, it's a food tour company. So we, have, we eat and do history. Um, and since food is involved, Obviously, a lot of the restaurants have been closed due to the virus, and so that's been that's put the company um, kind of in a shutdown mode as well. Um, and so, unfortunately, right now I'm having to rely heavily on our government. Um, you know, it's not something that is is a is a very sound place to be. No. Um, shows have been picking back up, even though Nashville is still really closed. Um, the suburb areas. I mean, I played two and a half hours outside of Nashville the other day, um, and had one of the largest crowds that I've ever played to, um, and. That that's been keeping me alive. Um, I also own um, a couple different businesses um, that I do on the side. Um, I do still do bartending, but offer my own use, uh, my work, yeah, um, family business as well. So there, there's a lot of other things that I do just to make it. And it's a crazy schedule, but 
most days I get to sleep in until 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, my shows keep me up really late and I can really do whatever I want. And at the end of the day, man, I cannot go back to a nine-to-five job if I wanted to. It would, it would kill me. So yeah. I, what I do, even though it's it's crazy. Well, it's interesting you say you know you get to stay you know stay in bed till like nine, ten, eleven o'clock, and I'm here waking you up at eleven o'clock to speak to me. <laughs> well, today was a little different. I, I've got a pretty full full day, um, and and this is kind of a cool cool note. Um, I, I'm sure you've heard the news of uh, Charlie Daniels passing. Yes. Um, the other day, so that was very, very um, disheartening. He's actually from the town that I grew up in. Or yeah. not, he, he lived in the town that I grew up in, in Mount Juliet, um, which is, again, one of the suburbs here of Nashville. Um, and I'm actually getting the chance to go um, sing with a group at his funeral today, so I had to kind of get up and, and learn some some music and stuff, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I bet you are. Wow, that's, you know, how did that come about? You know, like, how did you get to sing for the Boy, funeral? thing it's um <clears throat> we're singing god bless america um yeah. and that's the town that, that my family's in and again my, my mo- mother is a huge influence in the town as a, as a public school teacher and as a music teacher so they asked her hey you know can you get some people together and, and sing a patriotic song for this um and you know I, she's like I, you know, it's the middle of the summer school is out i don't know who to ask so she's gathered up about 15 people uh, and we're going to go perform that um, and there's some huge other country artists that'll be performing today as well so i'm looking forward to that but uh, such a sad sad loss for the community it really is <laughs> yeah it's I, yeah it's 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 been such a horrible horrible year and then when we actually start coming out of these lockdown periods and things start to go back to normality you know you you hear such tragic news and you know it's 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 hit us here in the uk as well because when the issue with country music in the uk it particularly for like the north and where i'm from is you listen to what is ever crossover in the other chart into the pop chart so it was always like dolly parton or kenny rogers you know that kind of thing you know for a bit it was like garth brooks but then yeah always had charlie daniels you know never went down to georgia it's a classic you know it's what you grew up with absolutely uh, and he had so many good tunes, um, but but no, he he was known worldwide, and he was the nicest guy. I mean, he was like your grandpa um, that had a heck of a fun time in his younger years. Yeah, uh, but but really, just a great musician um, and and a true loss to the music industry. I mean, there's I know there's a load of fantastic fiddle players out there. I know here in the UK we've got Malcolm McWatt in the US. I know Natalie Stovall's fantastic on the you know fiddle and the violin, you Absolutely. know. But nobody nobody can compare to Charlie Daniels. He's, he's kind of the father of it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that's great that he will always be viewed as that because he definitely earned earned his spot. Yeah, definitely definitely earned his spot, especially in that Hall of Fame and that you know it's that. It's just that whole era of country music. You know, you talk about, you know, like the greats of like Garth Brooks and, you know, George Strait. You know, he's with him. He's he's with him. He's, he's the blood of country music for us. Could not agree more. Um, and there there are some unbelievable legends that are still around, and we've lost to quite a few of them now. Um, and I'm, you know, looking it up, you know, there are a lot of older ones too, like Dolly's getting up there. Um, yeah. We've lost even some younger ones. Um, Joe Diffie was one of the victims of the virus. So that's, you know, it's really tough. And I think once everything gets back to normal, I think we're going to realize it's going to hit us even harder than it's hit us right now. Yeah. But, you know, just got to keep on moving and, and keep their memory alive. And I can't tell you how many um, 
how many Joe Diffie or uh, Charlie Daniel songs I've played in bars. In <laughs> I'm sure it'll increase as well over the weeks come. Yeah, absolutely. Are you looking forward to actually properly when everything does reopen completely, you know, no face masks, everyone's healthy and safe and, you know, this whole pandemic's, you know, behind us. Are you looking forward to actually getting out there and being amongst everybody? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's nothing I love more than singing to a crowd of people. Um, and I was actually supposed to be on tour in April um, in the New England area, in the Boston, um, Rhode Island area. And unfortunately, that was completely canceled. That was my first solo tour that I was going to be able to take part in. It was about um, almost three weeks long. And that was a huge, uh, huge source of, uh, of publicity. That was a huge source of chance to get engagement with new fans. Um, and there was also, you know, a good chunk of money attached to that, which would have been helpful for my future projects. Yeah. Uh, huge blow. And, and I'm, I'm really cannot wait to get back because I'd love to reschedule that. And I'd love to schedule more shows um, because playing out of the state is one of the most important things that I think um, somebody in Nashville can do because Nashville seems like, oh, everybody loves country music all the time. <laughs> that's not necessarily the case. People still listen. I mean, pop music and, and uh, rap music, in my opinion, are still the top genre, even though there's not nearly as many artists as there are in the country music genre. Um, if you look at any iTunes or whatever, you know, at the top every day, you know, you've got Drake or whoever, and and that's fine, you know, that's great, but people can listen to more, more than one genre of music, yeah. and to get to a place where maybe somebody's just eating lunch and I'm there playing that day, they'd be like, hey, I'm not a country fan, but I like what this guy's doing, and they pick up my card, or they look me up on Instagram, and next thing you know, I've got a new fan, and they're listening to my music, you know, in the same playlist as whoever in a different genre, so... It's 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 a blow to have to cancel that, but I cannot wait. I'm just so eager for the day that we get to go back to normal. Exactly. That that's a great thing, especially when you're trying to gain that fan base, is being versatile and actually being able to appease a lot of people, you know, try and draw them in and then you hit them with, you know, your stuff and it's like, okay then I've got you, I've got you, here you go, here's my songs. Absolutely, absolutely. And and release new music, um, like come on over. You know, I, I really want to better myself every single time that I release a song. And promotion is one of the hardest things. Um, before you hired somebody typically to do your promoting or you were with a label, um, and if you weren't, you bought a space in the newspaper. You know what I yeah. mean? But today, artists have to be everything. You have to be your own manager. You have to be your own promoter. You have to sometimes be your own producer. Um, and that's very difficult. Uh, especially for people that don't have the backgrounds in those areas. And I'm fortunate enough to have some um, experience in the marketing promotion world. But again, the market is so saturated. If I post something in an ad or on Facebook, you know, it kind of gets lost. I have, I don't know, 3,000 friends on Facebook and yeah. I post, you know, a couple times a week, but do they see it? Not typically not. Um, and it's, it's hard to kind of be unique, especially with so many different platforms. I just recently got on TikTok <laughs> 30 and here I am joining TikTok. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Well, that, that's it. I was speaking with um, Rachel earlier and she does her own TikToks and the TikToks are fantastic. She can sing like nobody. Um, Great. Yeah. I was like, she was like why, why don't we do a duet together? Well, I can't use TikTok. I've never used it. I don't know how to even start with it. It's like, what? 
It's it's difficult. Uh, I I actually ended up getting my degree um, from university in um, media production, which is specifically video editing. And one of the one of the things that I wanted to do with that was record my own music videos because if again money plays a huge role in the industry and music videos are a very expensive part of that. Yeah. Um, the last music video for Sunrise that I did, it's a three and a half minute long video. It cost me four thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. so I think of what could I have used that $4,000 to produce new music? Yeah. And that I'm like, okay, I need to really focus on making my own content and um, editing on softwares that are used for um, legitimate video production versus TikTok editing softwares. <laughs> it is an absolute nightmare. I, uh, I posted a video of some Chris Young songs. I did a Chris Young compilation and um, I it was late at night, but I'd saved it in my drafts and it worked probably for an hour and a half, putting all the text overlays in TikTok. And I saved it as a draft and I went back the next morning and because I'd saved it as a draft, all of the overlays were gone. Oh. <laughs> you know, that took me like 45 minutes to do. <laughs> uh, but it's very difficult, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, the kids these days come up with just the coolest ideas um, and, you, and that's how you get out there. That's the promotional world today is not you know, just posting tons of content. It's posting engaging, unique content. And that's difficult to come up with, but it's uh, it challenges um, artists like myself on a daily basis. Well, it's not just even artists as well. It's, you know, everybody. I mean, I remember hearing a story about a young kid who became a famous YouTuber because he was just reading, you know, looking at toys and telling people what toys he likes. You know, he got millions of followers and next thing you know, he's a millionaire and he's only a little wee kid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, Mason Ramsey, I think, is a great example of that. You know, he, he yodeled in a Walmart. You, know, you don't want to see that. You know what I mean? So that is unique, and that captured the hearts of literally millions of people. And then you know he's playing on stage with Garth Brooks. Yeah. Uh, but it, if you do it right and you come up with something that's just so unique and so spontaneous, you could be the next big thing. But uh, but it's difficult to find out what that is before it happens. Exactly. I mean. Like you say, Mason Ramsey, he's got an absolute fantastic voice. And, you know, I could never yodel like he could, ever. <laughs> and then to go on, like, the Ellen Show and, like, Oprah and, you know, everything. To, but then go on the, you know, Grand Old Oprah stage. It's like right. a dream come true, especially for a lot of artists here in the UK, you know, who, have, who all they do is dream about making it. So then for him to actually get it, it's like, it must be a kick in teeth for some people who's actually really trying. It's difficult, and it does make you question why you're doing it sometimes. <laughs> um, I, I've had friends uh, um, that have had a lot of success. A friend of mine was actually um, in school at a, at a school in Nashville, but they weren't studying music. He was going to be a, a medical doctor, and he um, went to a charity, and they had like a, a talent show, and you know, whoever won, they could pick them. It was a charity, so they got to give money to their favorite charity. And um, he ended up singing, and after he was done singing, some guy approached him and was like, hey, man, you're really good. Have you ever thought about doing this for a living? And he's like, no, I'm in school to be a doctor. You know, I want to go save lives. And he said, okay, well, you know, if you ever change your mind, here's, here's my card. Give me a call. And he didn't think anything of it. And he went to this um, another school function um, about a month later, and the same guy was there, and he came up to him and he said, man, I have not stopped thinking about your voice since I heard it. He said, uh, you know, I'm so-and-so with this promotions company. We'd like to talk to you about recording some songs. And the next thing you know, he's writing songs 
and and he's a he's a pretty big artist named Josh Miranda. Um, if you're familiar with him, he's written songs yeah. for uh, Jason Aldean, Kenny Chesney, um, and you know that's in, that's insane to me. He didn't even try, <laughs> and here he is selling. You know, yeah, I think his first his debut single had 22 million streams. I mean, yeah, it, it's unbelievable. And here I am, been working at it for you know a quarter of my life, and I've got you know, not even, a, not even a percentage of that. So it's, it's very difficult, but everybody has their own path. Um, and you can't judge yourself off of other people. Um, something that I do find frustrating though about the whole concept of, of following your own path is people that don't take it, um, in my opinion, the right way that are out there, um, for fame or for money. Um, and a lot of artists, and I, I've talked about this on some other shows that I've done before, but they will promote themselves in other ways um, to boost themselves up. And, and I don't think there's anything necessarily bad about that, but if you want to be known for your music, you should not be selling other things. Um, I know a lot of models um, that also have joined into the music world and they're pushing their model stuff yeah. uh, become bigger in the music industry. And again, that, that is a concept, but I want people to like me for my music. Um, I, you know, if you don't like how I look, okay, you know, you don't have to watch me when you <laughs> listen, you know what I mean? So, People like me for the for the actual music that they hear, um, but, and nothing more. But that's why you spend four thousand bucks on a uh, music video. That's right. That's right. Uh, but you do have to have a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it's there's no there's no guide. There's no instruction manual. You have to figure it out as you go. And one of the things that I've found to be the most important piece of information for my career is to just be authentic. I have fans reach out to me fairly often and are like, you know, hey, you know, I hope you see this. I love your music. And, and when I respond, they're like, oh, my gosh, you actually like, is this you? Like, I'm <laughs> talking to really you because so many other artists don't respond or if they do their fake account or something like that. And I, I'm so happy that people want to listen to my music that I will talk to anybody. I will give anybody the time of day, even songwriters. People will send me songs all the time. And they're like, hey, we like give me some feedback here. Yeah. yeah. You know, why not? If, if I can help you do something, then I hope that you would in return help me do something. But you don't have to. That's just that's just who I am. I, I, I like to be supportive of people's dreams and aspirations. And uh, and most of the time they're already fans and that's how they found me in the first place. So I'm super thankful for all the people that are. Well, that right there is just such a humble thing, really. You know, it's been able to step back and say, OK, then, you know, thank you. Thank you to everybody, really. I mean, I've always said, you know, with my with my show here, you know, I'm grateful for everybody who listens, and my DMs are always open. You know, if you ever want to ask questions or you know, if you ever want to engage, feel free to do so. You know, it's it's that respect, and and that's how engagements like ours right now are happening. Um, you know, because we we were connected through Rachel, correct? Yes. And and Rachel um, came down to Nashville with Danny McMahon, and they played at a, at a writers round that I was at. And I sat down next to him just unknowingly, um, and they started, we started talking to each other. And Danny played, and I loved what he had, to, what he, what he was, what he sang, and how he sounded. And then uh, I got up to play, and they, you know, gave me some feedback and said they liked what they heard. And one thing led to another. We exchanged information, and look where we are today. I've made, you know, a, a new friend. I'm, I'm participating in, a, in another podcast, and and I'm reaching your audience. You're reaching my audience, and that that's exactly what it's about. It's about the network of authenticity and good people. Um, to to kind of reach broader audiences. I don't know if you've heard of this film or if you've seen it. There's well, there's two films. There's Sliding Doors and there's the Butterfly Effect. Basically, 
I've not seen Sliding Doors, but I love The Butterfly Effect. One of my favorite movies with Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's one of those circumstances where, you know, if just one thing changes, you know, it can affect so much down the line. You know, all it takes is for you to sit, you know, one chair over and not actually speak to Rachel and Danny and then we won't be talking now. You know, it's such a crazy concept that I struggle to get my head around it sometimes. Yeah, and, and I love the idea of it. Um, and, and that's why I tell people, I am not above anybody. I've been told by other songwriters, um, you know, people that are not even B-list artists, but above in the, in, I guess, the path of where I am, the further along the path that I am, I've reached out to them and said, hey, you know, I, I love what you're doing. I would love to sit down and maybe write a song, but pick your brain, really. And I'll get a response like, hey, um, sorry, I'm, I'm really busy. I can't do this. But if you want to buy one of my songs and record it yourself, you can do that. Um, or just flat out no response. They'll read it. They won't respond. Or um, like, yeah, like I, I'm too busy for somebody like you. And I've gotten responses like that for years. Um, and I, I try to give everybody, uh, again, the time of day. Um, I've played and written with people that I didn't know. And sometimes it's people that have never written a song. Sometimes it's people that are brand new to the industry and if it doesn't work, at least you know. Yeah. And just because they weren't the best songwriter or the best co-writer uh, doesn't mean they won't have an opportunity for you. Um, and maybe that person is the one connection that you need to break through. Um, and not not from a selfish point, standpoint. You know, it's just if I can do something for them, you know, vice versa. Absolutely. You know, that's what the whole industry is about is making those connections. Um, and hopefully it, it leads to success for everybody. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's about growing as artists and as a as a genre in, in general as well i mean not just whether it's in nashville or whether it's just in the united states but whether it's anywhere in the world especially the uk it's about being there for each other and actually finding that good talent and helping it thrive really yeah absolutely and and i really you know there's so many people out there that deserve to be discovered um you know there's artists that have been discovered that work i mean literally work to the bone to make it happen um chris stapleton um, great example. He was a songwriter in Nashville for 10 years before he ever got recognized as an artist himself. He was, heck, he was in a bluegrass band yeah. for many years before he was an actual artist. And, and a lot of people don't even know that, but he surfed, you know, surfed couches and, and wrote every chance that he got. And he, you know, did what he had to do to get by. Um, and look what, he, look what he got. Granted, it took him probably But at the end of the day, that's, that's why. Yeah. I'd rather person at the end of the day that worked hard than somebody that cheated the system and paid my way to the top i mean one of the main reasons why i got into this side of the country music and actually seeing the stories is because of the presenter in in nashville bobby bones and he talks quite regularly about chris stapleton and how bobby brought him into the show and and the producers were saying who is this guy you know nobody's Nobody's heard of him. We don't know who he is, but you keep bringing him in. And then the more people wanted him. And turns out with Chris Stapleton, he's blown up. Well, he won New Artist of the Year at the CMA Awards his first year. And when he won, I didn't even know who he was. And I'm, yeah. I'm literally in Nashville, and I had no idea who this guy was. Um, and so it just shows that, yes, and, and it doesn't work for everybody. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Um, not everybody's going to make it. There's just too many people in there. But the people that work the hardest and the people that are the most real and dedicated, I think are the ones that uh, at the end of the day really shine through and it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, you know, Chris Stapleton's and Justin Timberlake's performance at the CMAs oh, was off out of this world. It was, it was fantastic. Live performances ever. 
Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Now, going back to your music video, I love it. I just, it makes me want to go to America right now because of how just everything just seems so perfect. You know, driving in your Jeep and sailing your boat, playing your guitar. It's just so idyllic. It's brilliant. Let me tell you how unperfect that day was. <laughs> <laughs> that was a heck of a day. It was about 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so it was unbelievably hot here that day. Um, that is not my Jeep. I had to rent it from uh, this. It basically is Airbnb for cars. Yeah. <laughs> I rented this car. And then we um, drove to this marina on the other side of town. And I had to rent this boat, which... I had to fill out this huge thing and then I, I didn't have, they, they didn't take cards. So I had to go to the ATM and pay like $30 in ATM fees to get out like all this money. And so that was a hectic kind of transition. And then we get on this boat and, you know, I have to sign a waiver because there's, you know, I'm driving a, a, a vehicle that somebody else owns. And so we get out on the water and we're slowing down in this cove and I bottom out on this rock oh. and like, Heller is just like all kinds of messed up. And I'm like, oh my God, like oh. I, I, I'm screwed. Like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this. And so I'm worried the entire time we're shooting this music video. And um, Juju, the girl that's in the video, she was she wasn't a friend of mine. She was hired by the producer. We're friends now. But she's also a friend. So you know, she's spending her whole day on this 100 degree weather. And we're having to film and all of this happens and we're like, oh my gosh, it, it could not have gone any worse up until that point. Um, but uh, we ended up getting it all filmed on the boat and you can actually tell um, I'm very pale. <laughs> I, I, for those listening um, that can't see, very pale. Um, and we spent the entire day in the sun. So by the end of the, by the time we got off the boat, I was cooked red. <sighs> And the last scene, we actually, it's not an actual sunrise, it's a sunset yeah. um, on, on the hillside. And you can just see how red my face is from this boat. Um, if you go back and pay attention, you'll be able to pick up on that. It, it was a lot of fun uh, at the end of the day, and I wouldn't change a thing about it now. Um, but like I said earlier, it was very expensive. Um, granted, uh, the guy that did it was phenomenal. He, he's an, an awesome video editor. He has some great equipment, too. Um, but, um, you don't need a video production like that. Um, yeah. I wanted a statement and that was some, um, guidance that I had received from some of my mentors in the industry said, Hey, if you, if you want to be taken seriously, you gotta be, get forth the effort. Um, and that sometimes means putting forth a lot of money. And so I did, and, um, I think it did pretty well. I am a little disappointed with myself as how far I promoted it and pushed it. I could have pushed it a thousand times harder looking back on it now, but again, life lessons that we learned. Um, and in the future, I will probably make some videos very similar in that. I'll probably pay a lot, a lot more money <laughs> someday. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there's a lot of ideas that you can run with. I mean, there are so many music videos out there that are even animation. Um, you can film it on your iPhone. You can use Polaroid pictures. I mean, there's so many different concepts. You don't have to spend $4,000, $10,000 on a music video. You know, I, I've got a $500 camera and a friend that's willing to hold it. You know, I know how to, I know how to edit it. You know, I'm not a professional, but at least yeah. I can put something together. And as long as it goes along with the theme, it really doesn't matter. You know, people are still going to watch it regardless. Well, that's it. I mean, everybody's carrying one of these around nowadays. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, the quality of the cameras on an iPhone is just, it's out of this world now. You know, it's almost as good as a DS, you know, DLSR. It's, yeah. 
it's crazy. It's fantastic how technology is given all this in our pocket. It blows my mind every day, honestly. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I've got my old studio set. You can't see it, but I got lights in here. And, you know, I've got my, my Sony camera, you know, right here. And I, you know, I got all the equipment, but when you're the artist, you gotta be in front of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finding that that is one of the hardest things is that finding somebody that actually can hold it and do what you want to do because nobody's, nobody's you and your creative mind up here is not going to be the same as somebody else's. But, um, but but the sunrise video turned out very similar to how I imagined it in my head, um, and I think it was a great great video, and I hope to produce a lot more. Well, it's like you know saying it's too late to, you know, really push it. And you wish you pushed it a bit more. It's never too late, you know. Push, push, push You're right. it. You're right. It's not. Um, and and I, I struggle. One of the one of the few things that I struggle with as far as promotion wise is promoting too much of one thing. Um, you know, anybody that has signed up for a email um, subscription knows that it's annoying after a while to get so many emails from the same company and you just go in there and you're like, I don't care. And you delete it. But that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with TikTok. You have to come up with new and unique ways to promote the same stuff. Um, and it's difficult for me because I feel like what I do on a daily basis is not, it's not engaging. It's not exciting. But people don't care. They really don't care. If they like you, they're going to like whatever you're doing. I mean, heck, I probably could have posted a picture of me eating cereal this morning and it would have gotten, you know, a couple hundred likes. And I don't understand that by any means. <laughs> like, I, I don't get that for a second. But it's not, it's not for me. It's not for me. The content is not for me. It's for everybody else. And, and I have a hard time remembering that. And um, especially when it comes to streams and comes to views, um, finding new ways to push it to audiences that I haven't connected with, like your show. Um, so perfect place for me to plug this. If you would like to view the video, you can go search for me on YouTube, and the Sunrise video is probably the front and center of that, um, since it's probably the most viewed uh, video that I have on my page. Um, but no, that's that. You're right. You're right. It's never too late. Um, you just have to find different avenues and different ways to promote. That's it. There's always a there's always a time to plug. There's always a time to, you know, just to drop it in there. You're like, you know, just go visit the merch store on the website. You know, just little little things. It always helps. And you know, especially like I mentioned there, the merch store. I, I actually tried clicking on it earlier, and it says the domain can't be reached. You know, is yeah. some up with your merch at the moment? Yep, and I have actually sold out of most of my merch. That's why that's no not working. Fantastic. <laughs> Which is great. No, I had a big um, kind of blowout. I'm trying to, I, I haven't purchased new merch in probably two years, which is crazy. Um, but it's, again, there's so much you have to keep up with that it's, it's difficult to do, especially merch is not cheap. Um, if I were to even purchase 50 uh, to 100 shirts, you're talking $700 um, yeah. and hats and koozies and stickers. And you could easily get up a thousand, couple thousand dollars in merchandise and then you have to worry about selling it. Um, what I found is some of these stores online charge a huge rate. I mean, I was paying $45 a month for my online store and, you know, I only had hundred t-shirts to sell. So if I didn't sell two t-shirts a month, I really wasn't even paying for the website that was up to pay for it. So, uh, and, and what I've found is the people love the personal touch. Um, I've got, every time I send something out, you know, I write a handwritten note, I give them one of my stickers here. Um, and I, I throw it in there, but that's not going to happen if I go through a third party company. And so I can write notes on the packages and I found that people love that so much more. So yes, it takes a little bit more time, 
I'm working on updating my, my website. Um, I'm working on that today, actually, um, to promote new stuff. And, I, and I'd be happy to share with your group as well that I am getting some new merchandise made. I'm in the work of, of, of designing that right now. So I'm, I'm very excited about that too. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get some people to purchase it because it's going to be come on over merchandise and can't wait to share the song and, and the, and the shirts and the hats and everything with everybody too. Well, that's it. I mean, I can't wait to actually start reading people's reviews as well on coming over. I mean, I'm already halfway through writing my review, you know, just waiting for the day where I can actually, when I'm allowed to release it. <laughs> it, it won't be too long. Uh, we are, uh, we're getting ready. Um, the release date is August 7th. Um, and I'll be promoting a heck of a lot more. We do have a uh, pre-release date. Let me make sure I've got the absolute right date here. Uh, it's two weeks before the release, which is uh, July 24th. So that will be our pre-save, pre-order date. Um, and that will be available on iTunes only. Um, and pre-save will be available on Spotify and everything else. But the pre-order will be available on iTunes only. Um, but I, I, I've been getting a lot of great reviews. And, and that's that's exciting, considering I haven't even released it yet. <laughs> um, I had a, a guy that I played a festival with. And this goes back to our networking thing. Played a festival with him last year. Um, he told me that he, that I sounded a lot like Chris Young, which is a huge compliment. He said, hey, you know, if I ever need somebody with your voice, do you mind if I give you a call and come in and record one of our songs? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I, um, demo, vocal demo work is one of the things that I do on the side. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, and remind me, I want to actually get back to a point about that here in a second. But um, I, uh, he reached out to me and said, hey, I've got this song. We'd love me and this guy would love for you to record it. And I get a phone call the next day from the other writer who's actually um, a, um, he works for his own publishing company. It's a boutique publishing company. He's like, hey, I, I love your sound. Um, do you have any new music that you are looking to not release yourself, but to have something? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, here, I'll, I'll send you what I'm working on right now. So I send him, come on over. And he said, man, this song is radio ready. He said, we are, we're, he said, this is a hit. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's huge coming from somebody that I don't even know in the industry that's been around for 30, 40 years. I'm in the industry and saying this stuff about my music that that's huge for me. That, that makes me think that this can really be something great. Um, and that's why I'm really taking the initiative on this to push it so hard to get as many people to hear it as possible. Because I mean, that, 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 that could change my life. Somebody listening who knows somebody else could change my life and change my music career to where people can hear my music. And again, I, I don't want, I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it for the fame. I don't even care if people come to my shows, but I want people to listen to my music. And if I can say that a million people have listened to my music, I mean, that is huge. That's a almost unfathomable thought for me, but I know it's possible. Um, and sometimes it just takes one person. So if you're listening, I would hope that you take the time to go and follow and, and, and listen and throw it on repeat or throw it on a playlist <laughs> or whatever. You know, I, we don't make much money off these streams, but what people don't realize is this services use algorithms as well. And if you listen to a song and it gets shared and repeat, repeated and, and, and put on playlists, the algorithms actually will react and they can be put on bigger, better playlists and more recognizable playlists. And that can lead to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of streams in the, in the end game. And that that's kind of the goal of, of artists. My, in my, um, my point right here where I'm at is to get those recognitions and to move up the ladder. So I hope that everybody will take the chance to listen to that and, and hopefully they have good feedback. <laughs> that's also uh, the hardest bit. No, I, I, it is. And, and trying to get people to be honest too, because I don't, I don't want people to be like, Oh yeah, you're, you're really good because they want me to like them. Like, I don't please be honest yeah. with me because I can't make better music. <laughs> if you don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. 
Um, and people have criticized all my songs, and that's fine. Um, I've um, I worked with a songwriter association in Nashville where I got to go meet with um, with somebody from the industry that was guy was in his late 60s, and he you know sat down with a couple of my songs, was like, here's what I think is wrong with this song, here's what I think is wrong with this song. Um, and I didn't agree with all of his notes, and that's fine. You know, it wasn't like I had to go along with what he was saying. Um, but it's good perspective. It's always good perspective to get somebody else's point of view. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's how you grow. You know, that's how you improve yourself. You know, it's, there's, a, there's always that fine line between constructive criticism and then just slagging someone off. Yeah, absolutely. There is. Um, now, I, I wanted to, to kind of revert back. We talked about doing the session um, this uh, vocal session thing for other yeah. songwriters. Um, I actually have a song that is up for UK um, Country Song of the Year. Not my song, but I did sing on it. Um, and I think it's the UK Radio um, Awards. I'm not really sure. There's so many different awards. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a song called My Hebridean Home. And I know you know what Hebridean is, but I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got hired by a producer that I've worked with for years, and he said, I've got this guy who wants, you know, this type of sound on his song. You want to come in and sing it? I said, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've done this a dozen times. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And I get this link um, from Rachel, and she's like, do you know that you're up for song of the year? And I'm like, what are you talking about? That must have been so weird. <laughs> it was the most bizarre thing in the world because – I, Rachel didn't know that I did this song. You know, she had no idea that I'd recorded the song for this guy that I, I'd never even met. I didn't even know the guy's name. <laughs> uh, she did it and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I, I called my producer and I'm like, did you see this? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking I don't even remember that song. <laughs> you know? That's mental. And, and so I reach out. Uh, the guy's name is Keith Wodge or Keith Wage. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, but I reached out to him um, via SoundCloud because it's the only place I could find him. And um, he reached back out to me. We had a quick phone conversation. He seems like a great guy, and it's a it's a really good song. Um, a lot of people have given me compliments on on you know on how it sounds, and um, I'm I'm a huge I'm very proud to be a part of any piece of work that I do. So yeah, um, so he was happy with it, and it's really cool that it's it's more um, nominated for Song of the Year. And I think I'm not sure if that's still going on, but uh, the UK Radio Song of the Year were those awards, um, and it's called My Hebridean Home. My Hebridean which, Home. <laughs> is very sentimental and uh, very um, nostalgic for him. And I, I realize that now, but at the time, I didn't even, I even know what that was. <laughs> it must be weird. Have you, have you been to the UK before? Never. never. So you've been nominated into an award category for a country that you've never even been to. It must be such a, um, a unique feeling. It is. It really is. Um, and it, it, it caught me by such a surprise. I mean, I was probably buried in my phone for the next three hours trying to figure out, one, how she found this, two, how anybody found this song, and, and two, whether or not there was even a chance that, you know, it could win, you know, and so I'm digging and I'm like, is this just like some knockoff awards, you know, show? It's not, you know, it's a pretty established organization. And once I was able to get a hold of Keith, he was like, I just sent it to one person who said that they could do something with it. And the next thing you know, it ends up here. And, you know, I don't even think it's been on the radio. I don't think that he even intended for it to be on the radio. But <clears throat> that's a really cool process that it went through. It went through all of these crazy avenues. And, again, leading us right back to that networking community. You never know what's going to happen um, with the people that you meet. I mean, I I am 
thousand miles away. And some guy sent the song to my producer in this little town. <laughs> and then he texted me out of all the people who recorded. I mean, it's it's almost unbelievable that that series of events happened. But yeah. so <laughs> absolutely crazy. Now, what was the reason? Why was it Rachel that you gave the um, like PR stuff to do? You know, for like the UK side of coming over. You know, was it just back of your mind? Oh, Rachel, Rachel can do this. Well, I've been even for years, even before I was in country music. When I was with my my other band, different markets was a huge opportunity because it's an untapped tree or area of the industry. And when I met Rachel, I, I I mean, I absolutely adore her. And Danny is such an awesome artist. And I've seen what she's done over the past year with um, with him and with Kelsey and some of the other artists that she's had. And the the um, the outcome is just exceptional. She, yeah. I don't know how she does it. I honestly don't know how she does it. And she's just so good at what she does. And I said, Rachel, I've got to get in on this. What do I have to do to get you to help promote this song in the UK? Because I really think that we can make a big splash over there and and we worked out an agreement um she sent me everything that she needs and she we we talk literally every day and she's always like do this make sure you're doing this you know we want to push this as much as possible and she keeps me so in line um and yeah. i've never had a manager before and I, she's not even my manager she's just a manager that's working with me um and they make the world a difference it really does especially when you have somebody that actually cares and not somebody just looking to make money and rachel is that person uh, so I'm super grateful for her um, and for uh, her work ethic, honestly, because we've only been at it for what, a week, <laughs> and <laughs> it's 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 gotten a lot of great response. And I mean, I'm booked on I think like nine other either podcasts or live streams or something, and I couldn't have done any of it without her. So um, I'm really grateful for her for her help, and I look forward to working with her for for many years to come um, because I think we can really do a lot of great work, especially in the UK. Yeah, well, for the past for the past half a year, you know, minimum, you know, she's been talking about you and how great you were. You know, it, it's always been at the topic of conversation, you know, just, you know, you need to check out Kyle. You know, you need to check him out. And I'm glad I have. Yeah, and, and that that's how it goes. I mean, it doesn't be a manager. You know, if your friend is a personality on a tv show or a or an interview show somewhere and you show them my music and yeah. then you're like hey man you should tell people about this like this is not just something that you should enjoy yourself like share the wealth <laughs> yeah uh, i mean think about think about it like a business if you are in need of a service and you have a friend that has recently used that service well what are you going to do you're going to refer your friends to that service as long as it's what it's good and exactly. so don't do that enough with music in my opinion and and rachel is one of the people that does and she just gets it and i i try to do that as often as possible i post a lot of other artists on my social media um because one i don't want all of my social media to be about me because i'm not that interesting <laughs> at least i don't think that i am um but, but i also want to help other people succeed and there are so many great talented artists out there that deserve the recognition yeah um, i have a couple of friends that do this on a pretty regular basis they'll message me they're like i need new music what do you have <laughs> you know, I that they come to so they can find new music? And I love that. I really love that because, you know, I don't know, maybe they have something that I don't know about. And again, it just is the more that we talk, the more that we share, the more we are going to be enriched with, with more great music. Yeah. 
Now, we're getting towards the end of the show. So before we actually get into like, I usually have a couple of questions that I ask that are like quick fire-ish and just to get to know you more on like a personal level. Um, so just before we go into that, is there anything you want to throw in there, like your socials? Where can we find you on Twitter, Facebook, and Insta? Yeah, so I've, I've made it pretty simple. Um, everything is under kind of the same domain here. It's the Kyle Elliott. Not the letter V, but the word V. V, that's right. Uh, the Kyle Elliott. And one huge mistake a lot of people make is my name has two T's at the end of it, not just one. Um, but that's on Instagram, at the Kyle Elliott, at Twitter, at the Kyle Elliott, Snapchat, at the uh, even my website is www.dkyleelliot.com. Uh, and I, I don't know if Facebook has the app, but you just type in facebook.com forward slash Elliot, and it will come right up. So you can find me on all of the social medias. I'm also on every streaming platform that there is, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Google Play, uh, Amazon, uh, Pandora, um, Tidal, whatever you listen to, you can find me on all of that. It's crazy how many actual streaming sites there are now and purchasing sites. That's not even like a tenth of them. There, there's like a hundred different ones, and for different countries too. So there, and yeah. I'm, I'm on all of them. So wherever you guys do listen, you'll find it. And just as a reminder, when is Come On Over coming out? Come On Over will be out on August seventh, um, and it's dropping at midnight Eastern time. So whatever that is, uh, uh, that's five hours uh, before us. So it'll be five a.m. UK. Yes, 5 a.m. UK time. <laughs> Please wake up. It, it'll be something nice to wake up to in the morning, hopefully. Um, but, you know, like it, share it, please, as much as you can. Um, if you listen on any um, any rating service, so I know iTunes does it, leave a rating for what you think. The best thing that you can do is give me feedback, even if it's sending me a DM saying, hey, I really hated your song <laughs> for this reason. You know, whatever, please let me know because that's the only way that I can prove. If you loved it, I would also love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to, to slide into my DMs any day. I'm, I'm more than willing to talk to, to anybody. That's it. All the girls are going to slide into your DMs now. It's going to be in, <laughs> it's going to be a flooded tap now. Oh, man. Anytime, anytime. I'm, I'm an open book. So is there, um, before I go into the questions, is there anything you'd like to add? Anything that you think I might have missed? Um, for, I just want to say thank you for having me on your show. This has been a true honor and a lot of fun. I love podcast interviews. <laughs> uh, they, they lead to some really great conversations and, and some great friendships. So I hope that we continue to stay in touch and maybe I can turn you on to some new artists and maybe get you some more interviews. And, See, and that's what maybe. it's all about. Right. You'll, you'll get you'll get sick and uh, you'll get sick to death of me now. You're gonna be pestering you every single day. Uh, but uh, but other than that, you know, thank you for, for being on the show and. Um, thank you for everybody listening. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed my, my Q&A. Um, and I hope that uh, you enjoy the music as well, because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for fans um, that listen to the music. So thank you to everybody listening as well. And likewise, Theo, you know, thank you for coming on. And I wouldn't be here if I want for artists like you, you know, producing such great music. So it's a two-way street, really. <laughs> Absolutely. So a uh, couple of questions I like to ask is, two of them are very much UK-based and... One of them's about pizza. You know, <laughs> do you like pineapple on pizza? You know, I do. I do like pineapple on pizza. I It's not my preferred pizza, but I definitely will eat pineapple on pizza. I love pineapple. I love pizza. They should definitely, um, at least people should try it. If you haven't tried it, you don't know what you're missing out on. That, that's what I think a lot of people do. You know, I think a lot of people just jump on that bandwagon thinking, oh, no, you know, a bit of pineapple on pizza. It's not going to work, but <laughs> I enjoy it. It's not my go-to meat, you know. It's not my go-to pizza, but I, I do enjoy one. Yeah, absolutely. 
And my second question, it's about a... I'm going to use the term biscuit or cake. Now, here in the UK, we call them Jaffa Cakes. I don't know if you have them in America, so I don't know if this is going to be any use to you. (laughs) It's called a what now? It's called a Jaffa Cake. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like a um, it's like a sponge with a bit of like a orangey type of jelly inside, but laid with chocolate. It's made by McVitie's. It's like a cookie kind of thing. It sounds like a cupcake, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of people call them a biscuit, and a lot of people call them a cake. So what I'll do is tell you what I'll look for a picture of it. Okay. This I gotta love these uh spontaneity. I can't say the word now. It's one of those days. <laughs> Uh, Jaffa cake images. Well, it's it's funny that you say biscuit because even in the U.S., depending on what part of the country you're in, people don't even sometimes know what a biscuit is. Yes, uh, biscuits in the South, where I'm from, are in my opinion one of the best things ever. <laughs> um, but in the North, they they don't eat biscuits; they eat um, cornbread, which is similar, but very different at the same time. By biscuit in the UK, I actually mean cookie. So, cookie, yeah, so it's, it's such a different world. <laughs> so I'm going to show Kyle an image now via our chat. Okay. So nice. you see that light bit at the bottom? That's a sponge. And then in between the sponge and the chocolate on top is like an orangey cream. It's not okay. a cream, it's like a jelly. And a lot of people like to call it a biscuit, and a lot of people like to call it a cake. It's caused quite a um, a stir in the UK. It's it's one of those things that are just it, it it gets some people's nerves. Well, what we should do is we should trade off um, different treats. If you will send me one of those, I will send you um, a national favorite, which is a moon pie. Which oh. I know you've never had one. I've Did never you, had you, one. I've never had one. Okay, well, I will send you. I'll send you our national favorites. I'll send you a moon pie, and I'll send you a goo goo cluster, which is an amazing candy. Um, but just so you can have a little bit of the national taste, and please, I would love to try the most unique uh, sponge treat that I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah, just I'm just gonna write it down, just so you know the name of it, because it's such a weird. A Jeffa cake. Okay. Jeffa Jeff- cake. Okay. So yeah, um, going on from that, then you know what what are the cookies that you do enjoy? Then I know you mentioned moon pie there. Well, a moon pie is not really a cookie. It's um, not not just cookies, but like sweets and cake. Yeah, okay. um, well, I I'm not huge on on chocolates most of the time. I'm more of the sour gummy kind of guy. If I'm being honest, but one chocolate that I. I can devour any time of the day, any point in time. I can eat as many that will until I get sick, and that is peanut M and M's. Every oh yes, I'm, they're the best candy in my opinion. <laughs> that, that's what I'm going to send you in your little care package. I'm going to send you a box of Jaffa cakes and a big kilo bag of peanut M and M's. Perfect, perfect. I'll wash it down with some skim milk. <laughs> <laughs> Going on for washing it down. Do you drink coffee or tea over there? Um, so tea here is definitely a heck of a lot different than tea there. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people don't know that I've been actually caffeine free for about 15 years. Oh, I'm not caffeine free. I don't really mean a hundred percent free, but like <laughs> 9% free. 
Um, there's a thing here in the U.S. called cheer wine, um, and it's not actually wine. Um, it's just a soda. Um, okay. Or depending on what part of the country you're from. Um, and it's kind of like cherry cola, but it is different, and it is one of the most addicting things I've ever put inside my body. Ooh, that sounds uh, nice. But but as far as coffee and tea goes, no, I, I, I'm not a big fan of coffee. I love the, the aromas of it, but um, I, if I ever drink a cup of coffee, I would probably be bouncing off the wall for a <laughs> um, I do love sweet tea. But sweet tea is different from the tea that you have by far. Um, and it's even different from just regular tea. Yeah. It's literally just liquid sugar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they do make it in, in, um, in decaf, which is nice. So I can still enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. I was, I've, I was never a big fan of sweet tea. I mean, I spent a lot of time down in San Antonio, Texas. And that every like barbecue joint you went to or every restaurant there was always either a pump for sweet tea or a or a jug on the side where you could pour your own fresh sweet tea and did you ever have a fruit tea no no i i always end oh. up i ended up sticking with like the dr pepper light you know the dr pepper free whatever it was sure yeah no if you ever get the chance you probably would hate it just as much as you hate <laughs> fruit tea oh man it's a southern staple it really is fruit tea and like biscuits you know i was i hate saying this but I only liked the biscuits when it was covered in gravy, you know, the white gravy. Mm-hmm. And There are different ways to eat it, and there are a lot of different types of biscuits, too. Um, a personal family tradition that we have, whenever we go camping, um, my grandfather taught us this. You get a can of biscuits, and it's just dough at that point, um, and you can tear them apart. Um, you find a stick, and you actually form the biscuit around the end of the stick, and then you cook it over a campfire. I know that sounds like super bizarre, but it creates this like hollowed out biscuit and you can put butter and jelly and whatever you want in it. And it is, it doesn't compare to anything, any other biscuit that I've ever eaten. And I, you know, I make it, (laughs) my grandpa makes it. So it's, it's very, that sounds perfect. It's so good. So good. I mean, I like the, um, I like the pigs and blankets you do over there as well, because it's like a donut with a hot dog in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, and, and I would consider that a biscuit um, compared to a donut, uh, at least on the U.S. side. Yeah. Uh, but they're very small. They're, you know, small. Most of the time, they're usually just kind of popping your mouth kind of thing. There was, well, there was a, um, there was a cafe or something um, in downtown San, was it downtown San Antonio or was it Northside? And it was, you literally drive up to it, you pull up outside the window, and it's like a little, little tiny cafe type thing. Mm-hmm. And the size of them, they were quite big. They were homemade, you know, there was like homemade yeah. ones. And it was just absolutely out this world. They did like different type of flavors, different types of like the bread around it. They did different types of the hot dog inside it. It was just brilliant. Yeah, no, it definitely. And you find the most amazing, delicious, bad for you foods in the South. Hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is wrapped in a card. Everything is wrapped in a biscuit or breading or fried or this or that. One of the fairs that we have here, um, the, the county that I grew up in, um, has the largest fair in the southeastern United States. And it's usually about 600,000 people go every year. Wow. They have everything fried. I mean, I have had, um, of course, fried Oreos, um, fried peanut butter and jelly, a fried moon pie. The craziest thing I've ever had, and this is probably going to make your arteries hurt, is fried butter. Fried butter. Was well, it just fried like, butter? Is it like just a, a stick of butter and they what batter it or do they just took it straight they, in? They, 
they take a, a stick of butter and they d- dunk it in a tub of cold batter, and then they drop it in the fryer. Oh, fair enough. That sounds um, that sounds like heart attack waiting. <laughs> Absolutely, it, it was too. It, the best way I could describe it is: imagine a freshly glazed donut turned inside out. Oh, my stomach just turned then. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it was horrible. I felt awful after I ate it, but it was so delicious in the moment. It's got to be one of those things that you've just got to do. You know, you like a rite yeah. of passage. Got to try it once, and they have every year they've got new stuff. So I, it's one of my favorite things to do in the summertime. Unfortunately, they had to cancel it this year because of the virus, but. Tell you what, I'm I'm surely am missing it this year. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your arteries are um, enjoying the break. They're thanking me, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, in the um, UK, we um, we have these um, chocolate bars called Mars bars. Now, I think you call them Milky Ways in the yeah. US. And what they tend to do, especially if you go up to like Scotland, is they dip them in like a batter and then they deep fry them, so you can have a deep fried Mars bar. Yeah, we we have uh, we have deep fried Milky Ways, we have deep fried Snickers. Um, one of the one of the really cool things that they do is they do. Um, I mean, they will literally deep fry anything, deep fried cheesecake. Um, but they do deep. It's. Are you familiar with a funnel cake? Yes. Okay, so they do uh, red velvet funnel cake. Oh. With cream cheese icing. Oh man, oh. to die for. To die for. Again, eating all of this in. The fair is only like ten days, so that ten days just the you know the weight's out the window. You got to walk like three miles to get there anyway. Well, <laughs> so that, that, do... that's a good thing then. <laughs> At least you burn yeah. it off. Calories. What What's your favorite go-to meal then? Um, on a day-to-day basis, I am a huge uh, Mexican food lover. I love spicy. I love tacos. Um, we have a restaurant here in the states, and you may have been to it, and being um, in Texas, it's called Chewies. Yep. I love Chewies. They have this unbelievable spicy jalapeno ranch dip. Um, I make it at home. It's so good, and it's so bad for you. But I, oh, <laughs> again, I, if you I got love the, it. Have you got the um, ingredients for that, like a recipe I, for it? I go ahead and give you kind of a rundown, um, and it, it will make you not want it as much. But <laughs> <laughs> you take sour cream, like like. Three-fourths cup of sour cream, which is a good bit. Yeah. Three-fourths cup of mayonnaise. Okay. Um, buttermilk. And I think there's like half a cup of buttermilk. Um, a chunk, like a handful of cilantro. Yep. Cor- um, uh, coriander for us in the UK. And um, a ranch seasoning packet. Like you get the dried packet of ranch. Yep. Um then you add in um, pickled jalapenos um, and lime juice. That sounds amazing. That that does sound good. Oh, it's so good. But the, the mayonnaise usually turns a lot of people off. But you can't even tell that it's there once it's in. I mean, you, it's it's like, it literally looks like ranch. See, but it's a little bit, little bit runnier and, oh, so good. That, that's, so. A, that's a sad thing, especially when I came back from the States, was the rant any farmer like ranch here is not the same. It just isn't the same as the US. It's it's a religion here. Because yeah. <laughs> people will, you know, they go to a restaurant. Okay, I never thought of ranch as a dipping sauce when I was a kid. You know, you had honey mustard, you had barbecue sauce, whatever. 
But today, they don't even ask. Literally, you just, they bring it when they bring whatever you got, you know, <laughs> chicken wings or whatever. They just bring ranch. I'm like, okay, you know, I, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> but we'll, you know, we'll be eating. I, I have some nephews that are, that are real young, and we'll be eating like, they'll be eating mac and cheese, and they'll be like, mom, bring the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> What do you do with your ranch then? Do you, do you dip into it or do you pour it on? Um, it depends. Um, if I'm doing like a salad, obviously I pour it on, but like, um, with, you know, sometimes leave it with my pizza and I just you know, dunk just it right in. Chuck yeah. it straight in there. <laughs> I'm a dunker if, if, unless it's a salad. Going from there then, what's like your go-to alcoholic drinks if you drink? Cause you do a lot of bar work. Yeah. I, I own a bartending business and, um, I, we do like weddings and corporate stuff, but I actually took a year off of drinking last year. I was sober for, um, for almost 12 months. Um, and not because I had a problem drinking. I've never really been a heavy drinker, um, but working till 2 a.m. playing gigs and working all day and getting older, hangovers don't, Agree don't with go as easily. <laughs> so I gave up drinking for about a year and um, I went on vacation with some friends and that, you know, that kind of, jump me back into it. but really the virus and the lockdown has really encouraged me to start drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's done uh, for a lot of people here right right um but you know it, it really depends on the mood i'm in i um there's not many alcohols that i don't like i'll probably say my least favorite um liquor would be tequila um i like tequila especially and it's weird because i love mexican food um but the way tequila makes me feel is not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but depending on the mood, you know, if it's hot, you know, I'm going with like um, a a vodka drink, maybe a soda water, limes, grenadine, maybe like a limeade kind of thing. Or if if it's my go-to, um, I'm a whiskey drinker. Yeah. I think that's from just being in Tennessee. Um, <laughs> I, I love Tennessee whiskey. I think it's amazing. Um, but there's some really great other whiskeys too. I actually did a sponsorship with um, a small company in Iowa called Templeton Rye, um, and some of the best whiskey I have ever had. Um, and I'm not a fan usually of rye whiskey, but um, there's some other great ones here in Nashville. There's Nelson's Greenbrier Distilleries, uh, Bellmead Bourbon that is just, oh, it is so good. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not I'm not a binge drinker. I don't typically like to put a lot away. I'm a, I'm a sipper. Um, for sure, whether it's a uh, Jack and Coke or whether it's uh, whether it's just port of meat, you know, I, I do enjoy a nice cocktail, and I, I really love the craft of it too, not just the drink. Well, that's it. I mean, I love a good, you know, whether it's Jack Daniels, whether it's Maker's Mark, or whether it's Bullet, you know, I love a good whiskey, and I do like it neat. I like it on the rocks, and I like it mixed with Coke. I usually drink it with Diet Coke because I try and cut out the sugar. <laughs> right. Plus the yeah. um, mixing it that's- with Coke makes it last a little bit longer as well. That's the one percent that I was telling you with the caffeine. I will drink caffeine with alcohol, but not again, not very often. You know, if I, it's been hot here, so I haven't been doing much whiskey. I've been doing a lot of vodka lately, um, and I'm a big seltzer water, soda water guy. I love that stuff. So it, it makes for really good mixers. Yeah. So if you had a two bottles of water in front of you, one was sparkling, you know, fizzy, and one was still, you'd go for the sparkling. Every time I have a, I have a soda stream here. I make my own soda water at home because I love it so much. <laughs> See, I used to have them. I had that a couple of years ago, but I always used to get frustrated because the gas had always run out, and you'd always end up spending more on gas. Well, it's you know, it's like propane for your for your um, for your grill. You know, um, 
They have a really easy system. I think it's $15 every time I want to exchange. They might change it maybe every two months. Um, and before you run out, you just order it and then you just send it back in the same box. They've made it so simple. And that's I fantastic. <laughs> All you have to do I, now is buy your Coke syrups and then you don't even need to worry about packaging. Yeah, absolutely. And I've done that. I'm a big uh, whiskey ginger kind of guy. So whiskey and ginger ale. And, and I bought the, the mixer syrups too. And um, I've actually been sponsored by Liquid IV, which is kind of one of those recovery kind of companies. So I yeah. put it in like, my soda water and it tastes great. And I get hydrated. And if I do drink too much, then it helps. <laughs> is there any more sponsorships that you want to try and get in? Well, you know, one of the biggest ways that create creators make money these days is through affiliate programs. Um, yeah. And I would absolutely love to be a part of some different organizations. Um, I have a couple of clothing companies that I work with and that's huge. Um, if I could choose one that I would be a part of, um, that would be Boot Barn, which is like a Western outlet. I mean, I'll show you here. I, I get all of my, my Western wear from the store and I absolutely Ooh. love Ooh. everything. You've just pulled, you've just pulled your hat out. You know, let's have a look on the inside of it. Is it MT Westerns? Oh no, it's R and R. It's, it's pretty hollowed out, but I mean, it's got the, uh, the ropes in there and you can see the horrible sweat ring around <laughs> from my, uh, from my shows and, and, and nights in the line dancing clubs. So oh, you can't be a good old line dance or a two-step. Oh, I love it. Uh, it is so much fun. Um, if, See, if I had... This yeah, is mine. look at that. That's a good-looking hat. Um, mine's a MHT Westerns. I don't know if you can see inside it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Is Let me... There one more. Hold on, I'll show you. Give me just a second. <laughs> now, we... Because of the material, I don't wear this one quite as often. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's got that same, that's a Cody James, which is the brand of, of Boot Barn. Um, yeah. But just, I mean, just amazing quality products. And you see what material materials your hat's made from? You know, what material do you um, go for? I, I didn't like the straw um, yeah. at first. I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it has grown on me so much because it's so much more durable. Um, if I'm out working, um, if I'm out playing somewhere and the sun is beating down or it's raining, this doesn't get messed up. But the felt one, um, if it gets water on it, it's ruined. So yeah. um, it's just more sensible to wear on a day-to-day basis. You see, this one here is a beaver blend. So it's been it's been all right. You know, it's it's been kind of, it's been that water, it's water resistant enough, but I wouldn't have it in soaking rain. I wouldn't want right. to risk it. Right, but I don't know if you have any. If, I don't know if you have this issue with your hats, but the you know how it fills up at the sides. Yeah. Do you ever find that it almost like dips at one point at the front? I think you can actually see it in the, in yeah. the picture. Yeah, it's pulling down on one side. Um, one of the great things about Boot Barn is they actually have a hat shaping station, and anytime that your hat gets deformed, you can take it in, and they've got a steamer, and they've got a guy that will actually fold it back into place for you. It might actually be a boot band that I got that hat from in San Antonio. I, it sounds they are, familiar. They're a national chain, but I have, I love it. I love their stuff. So if Boot Barn's listening, you know, please, I would I would love a sponsorship. <laughs> and likewise, you know, if you want me to, if I can, if I can send my hat across, you know, and get it reshaped, that'd be a that'd be fantastic. Yeah, and, and hey, you know, maybe 
and, and this is something that I've talked with other um, other shows about. You know, we, we're talking about sending each other food. That is awesome. But, I mean, heck, I'm going to share this episode. You're going to share this episode. I will send you more merch, and you can, you know, use my music in your podcast, whatever. You know, those are the kinds of things. And I, I work with a couple other podcasters as well um, for marketing purposes and just sharing. I mean, commenting, engaging, whatever you got to do to grab attention um, to prove that's it that's the main thing is that it's talking about you know if you don't talk you mentioned it earlier you know if you're not sharing that music and if you're not actually telling your friends about something or actually posting it whether it's on social media or whether it's to your friends in a group whatsapp you know it's what's the point in just hoarding that music to yourself you got to share it you know it's for the world to see absolutely couldn't agree more and, you know, that's one of the things that I'm absolutely grateful for Rachel for is actually introducing me to your music. And because if it weren't for that, you know, in, introduction, you know, like we said earlier, you know, we won't be here now. Absolutely. And so, so grateful for it. I think that is everything. I mean, I've just, I've still got your merch, I've still got your merch site up on my um, computer here and I'm looking at your T-shirts. So there's a Kyle Elliott T-shirt with your O in the Nashville yeah. flag. It's so smart. I, I, I had a friend ask or a fan ask me that they're like, "What are the three stars in the O stand for?" I'm like, "Yes, yeah. the, <laughs> the Tennessee State flag." Yeah. yeah. So, and then the little stripe in the E is the is the actual Tennessee um, state. So, those actually have. Oh, it have is! Been, I can see it now. <laughs> that is absolutely. That's brilliant. That's clever. It, that was my my designer came up with that. He's like, you know, the TriStar, which is what that's called, um, really sells, and people love the the icon of the state. So um, that's kind of what we rolled with the first time. And unfortunately, I have sold out of those. I think I'm gonna have to order more because people have been hounding me for more of them. Um, but I, but I'm gonna be coming up with a specific shirt for uh, for come on over. Um, so there will be some more of that. And uh, I, again, I want to I want to sell that on a personal level. I don't want to sell that through my website. I want to sell that. By you reaching out, if you, I'm basically going to change that link to the store to a contact link, so you can just yeah. email me or, or DM me directly. Um, send me your size, your address. You can pay me through PayPal or whatever, you know, because some of those websites only accept certain payments, and I don't care. You know, I'm not trying to be stingy. I'm not making much money on these T-shirts anyway. Yeah. Uh, but having that experience and sending them personal contact and sending them the merch. Well, that's one of the main. It's one of the main things that I like to push on, especially on the podcast, is artists' merch sites because for a lot of people, that is one of the main ways they get music, you know, money in from doing the music. It's not so much the playing the music itself, because unless you're doing a hundred thousand streams or a million streams, you're not going to actually make that massive amount with like Apple Music or whether it's Spotify or Tidal or wherever. <clears throat> but yeah, the merch site is where. You guaranteed at least a chunk, you know, whether it's $45 or $30 or $10 for a item, you know, it's at least that guaranteed price. And, and sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, I, I did a shirt for the Sunrise song that's not even on the website. Um, and I need to promote it more. It's it's actually an airbrush t-shirt, which is not something that you wear all the time. Um, and I think that was kind of my mistake. But I, th I think it's kind of, it's going to be nostalgic in the time. So I'm actually going to let it sit. Um, hold on to as many as I can, and then once things kind of take off, and hopefully my music becomes more recognizable, people will be like, "Where do I get one of those retro shirts?" You know, yeah. that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, but no, I, I plan on, on putting out a lot more merch. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have T-shirts, hats. Um, I'm working with a hoodie company as well that I think I'm going to have some embroidery done, and just whatever I can do because not only does that 
bring a small amount of money in, but that more importantly puts branding out there. And people see a shirt and they're like, what is this? What do you, what's the shirt you're wearing? You know, yeah. and it's a conversation starter and that leads to them hopefully listening to the music. I mean, I've got I've got artist merch for like baseball caps, and I've I walk to the supermarket, and people you can see people looking at it, thinking who's that, and they go on the phones. That's one more person that's just checked out music. You know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, and and I've got an idea. Um, Spotify does a QR code kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I'm about putting that on the back of the shirts um, for coming over. Clever and. Not many people would know to scan it because it looks a little different, but I think it will be really cool. Um, just because I don't, I mean, I don't really care what the shirt looks like as long as people want to wear it. Um, I mean, I didn't, even the the ones that you're looking on the website, I thought those were pretty generic. I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe somebody want to wear this. I don't know. And again, I've sold out of them. So yeah. what I think not right at all. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully people won't mind the big, um, the big Spotify logo, but you know, if they want, if they're willing to at least buy the shirt, then to me that says, hey, it's not that I just want the shirt. I want to help promote you, and and so that's I'll probably make two versions, one with it and one without it. So yeah. If you want. Well, big. That that's always the thing is you know it's always difficult working out what will work and what won't work and what you can actually spend a lot of money, you know, pushing out you know make two hundred of them, whereas you don't want to risk doing two thousand of them or lower numbers. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think I've exhausted everything. Um, you have made me ramble on, and what, a, what are we almost in a two-hour episode here? I know you're going to have to trim this thing down. No, <laughs> that, that's the great thing with these podcasts is I don't have a set time limit on them. I don't have a set, you know, I don't say this is going to be exactly an hour long. I always say it could be more, it could be less, you know. Depends on how much we talk. And I, I, I love I love these kind of chats. I love the spontaneity of it all and the whole – I actually said it right that time. Um <laughs> And actually, you know, just getting to know, you know, I don't, I love the music, but I also love the how to get you, how you get to the music kind of thing as well. Yeah, no, and and, and persons like you, you know, um, I'm so grateful for because you help me promote, and and I know that you're doing your own thing and trying to, you know, create a, an industry and a community as well. So I'm more than happy to share this because it's it's, it's promotion for both of us, and I'm I'm very grateful for you bringing me on and for Rachel for introducing us for sure. So yeah, thank you Rachel for introducing us and thank you all for listening everybody. I hope you all take care. Stay safe and goodbye. That was the Country Chat Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews and general chit-chats on all things country music.